Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So, it's come to this. Ooh, it sure has. It has. Mm. I can feel the fire that I'm warming my hands on right now. Yeah, just sitting around that campfire. Oh, man, this uh, is... Here we are. I'm I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. And this is the Carpenter cast. This is, yeah, we've, <laughs> our movie podcast has definitely taken a dive straight into the icy <laughs> become, waters of John Carpenter. Yeah, we're, we're just knocking off all the good, the best, our favorite John Carpenter. Uh. Why we, not? We knew it was going to happen. We we plan on doing all the Cronenberg. It literally you know, has come to this. Yeah, came to this. It, it's it true. came to being a. It took about seventy episodes, <laughs> but it it finally came to be that we're, we're just here. a John Carpenter podcast. It's good. I can't I can't complain. Luckily, he has. Luckily, we'll never run out of episodes doing that. <laughs> and uh, this is great. Uh, we just did uh, not that long ago in our Big Trouble Little China episode our top 10 Carpenter movies. Mm-hmm. And this was a top five for both of us. It right? was. It yeah. was. And remains to be. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Holds up with the best of the Carpenter movies uh, on rewatch. I've watched this movie. This might be the Carpenter movie I've seen mm, among the most in the last decade. Endlessly rewatchable. Yeah. I've, I've been watching this it. one a lot, especially in the last five years. Yeah. I've been, I've been doing this one. And of course, we're talking about the fog. The fog. Yeah, we've gotten we've gotten foggy as hell around here with smoke. Oh yeah, right. We're we're living in fog like Dealing half with our days smoke. around here. Uh, this is a great creepy ghost story. Man, this is good. And uh, for John Carpenter to come out with this movie right after Halloween, which is so different from Halloween, such yeah. a bold move. And it really defines who he is as a person, just like, I'm going to do what I want to do. Oh, yeah. I'm doing this to do what I want to do. This is, you know, Jordan Peele doing Get Out. And, and this us. feels boom, like boom. such a personal, great, creepy campfire story. It's so good. I just love it so much. So easy really to get into Antonio Bay. And what helps is that we know Antonio Bay. We've driven Antonio Been Bay. There. We yeah, know right? it. Ha- it's one of these other great Carpenter movies that, uh, man, you talk about Hitchcock, you know, stuff like Vertigo and The Birds, you know, just putting us even deeper in a movie. Is it such a secret? Is it that our vanity that makes it Hitchcock and Carpenter <laughs> one of our favorites? Maybe. Because we know the exact location. And... I do like movies that are uh, that I can drive to. Yeah. And uh, we live in the North Bay, and, and this movie took place and, and was filmed in Point Reyes and Inverness and Olima, all these Marin yeah. County these are areas that I've grown areas. up in, you know. And uh, the lighthouse that's featured in here is, is a lighthouse I visited as a child. Same here. I've walked those steps, man. And like 130. Uh, I don't think I ever told you this. I wrote a ghost story in the sixth grade <gasps> about that lighthouse. Well, before I ever heard if of I the got fog. a surprise for you, we have that ghost story <laughs> right here. 
No. It's not good. <laughs> That's uh, great. It was called The Phantom of the Lighthouse. Did you know about the movie The Fog? No, of course not. Okay, no, know. no. I was a tiny <laughs> child. I was a, I was a Catholic <laughs> schoolboy in sixth grade. Oh, that's right. You were you were watching <laughs> Universal monster movies. You were watching the exactly. Fog. I was a Phantom guy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it could have been the. Uh, so that's why it was the Phantom of, of the Fog. It was the Phantom of the Lighthouse. It was the story that's I wrote. A pretty good. That's like a cool. That's like a noir. And it title. was about a kid my age who visits the lighthouse and notices something's off, and yeah. then the Phantom then comes and saves the family from international terrorists. Oh <laughs> wow, that's uh, that changed. I was getting into this Hardy Boys it mystery, and then it's like, then the Phantom kicks some guy in the dick, and then, Whoa, and then the Phantom, Phantom, the Phantom's like the Chuck Norris teams this? up with the Black Ops. <laughs> <What's this? laughs> I had some second act problems. <laughs> yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, what's crazy is you rip, you ripped off the entire plot to the fog, and yet you'd never seen it. Nobody sees the black ops coming no. in the fog yeah, to Antonio exactly. Bay. Damn, that is a... You had a lot of story ideas that you wanted to get into this uh, to this film. There was something there. But the but the the genesis of that was the lighthouse. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it inspired you to write about stuff that scares you. To write you. a scary story, yeah. Just, oh, I love that lighthouse. What a cool thing. You can't really even drive to it now. You have to take a shuttle to get to yeah. it now. It did not used to be that way when I was a kid. You can just go right to it. Yeah, I remember driving uh, as a family. We drove out to this. It's the Point Reyes like lighthouse. It's yeah. Point it, Reyes is this really cute coastal town. Cool and it, dive bars. And most food. lighthouses are these giant towers yeah. on the coast, but this thing was stuck out on this like rocky ledge out yeah. beyond the coast, even. So it it's a squat but very cool on the on its own it middle great, of nowhere yeah. kind of lighthouse. And it famously has about 300 steps you have to take to, to get <laughs> yeah, to it. I it's think it's such a long staircase. To and get you there. see that in the movie, and it's, but uh, man, I love I love the shot of Adrian Barbeau look. walking down him because then I'm always like, man, what if you just forget something in your car? <laughs> exactly. You get to the KAB Studios and you got to jog up 300 steps well, to get back. I, every time to I it. watch the movie, I think of her having to do her radio show until at least 1 a.m. Yeah. And then at at 1 a.m. in the middle of the night, in the middle of the wind and the fog, having to climb these 300 steps out of the lighthouse. Well, I mean, what no a thanks. what a spot for like a predator to hang out. Like I'm gonna just hang out on step 150 of this four foot <laughs> wide shadows. staircase in the yeah. dark. Like <laughs> she's a she's a sitting duck down at KAB. <laughs> That's this whole movie's imbued with fear. Uh, so I was a late arrival to this one, and I didn't like it. Uh, I borrowed this movie years and years ago from you. It's true on DVD, and I had never seen it before. I don't know how. It, it's it's fame. It's a it's a big one, right? It was a big winner. But I don't think big it gets played like other stuff gets played. You know, like I don't think okay. you ever saw the fog, or I don't ever remember seeing it on TV or anything. As a yeah, kid. well, it would have Even to be with the local it would have angle, to be edited a, a bit for TV. But it would seem like it would play on TV. It's an easily editable. I don't know movie. Yeah. I don't know. But I never saw it on, on TV like Big Trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Nothing like that. Or, and it wasn't nearly ubi- as ubiquitous as Halloween. So Exactly. I don't think it quite had that cult status yeah. as quickly as, as some it, of these movies. But it was still a huge, huge money winner because it was cheap. It's yeah. like a $1 million film. So I, it was a huge profit winner. Because even if you make $20 million, phew, well, exactly. This, <laughs> you know, this geez. feels like kind of the last, 
like low budget, super young, you know, indie filmmaker John Carpenter vibe. And there's hardly any better young indie filmmaker, low budget, right. than The Fog. Absolutely. I mean, when you know it's a million dollar independent film, and it looks like this and feels like this, and it's got the people in it. I mean, the the cast in it, cast insane. The look of it, the sound design of it, it is just, yeah. I mean, it's impeccable. You, I mean, yeah. Adrian Barbeau, which is probably my favorite Adrian Barbeau performance. Definitely like the best Adrian Barbeau look. For sure. The radio DJ with her cool updo and like flannels, you know. Smoking like, a cigarette. Yeah. She seems really cool. Like, cool single mom in this yeah. one. Usually yeah, yeah. she's kinda like a like a growly ball buster mm-hmm. in other things, you know? And this one seems like a cool, relatable Adrian Barbeau. Uh but then our boy Atkins. Oh. Becoming a less, series regular. Less stashkins. This is babyface Tom Atkins. Babyface. As, as babyface as possible. The pockmarked babyface yeah. skin of Tom Atkins. Again, kind of like the Anthony Hopkins in Magic. <laughs> yeah, like that kid. A young, that young rook, year old uh, rookie was <laughs> <Tom> hungry. <laughs> Hear those licks. But yeah, Atkins all fresh-faced. Young man. Looking good. The show legend, Tom Atkins. Yeah. Let's be real. Tom Atkins, what a god <laughs> of, the, of the genre film industry. To Perfect have, in this movie. To have this dude's career, my God, oh, in genre That's films. a dream. Yeah. And so this is a this is a great one because Tom Atkins always fulfills the role of, uh, of you know, guy betting a young lady <laughs> in Carpenter films. Impossibly smooth drifter. Like oh, Tom yeah. Atkins, small town guy in a beat up truck who picks up Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. It's uh, just like Fresh him. off of Halloween he, herself. He woos Stacey Nelkin pretty quick. Oh, in Halloween, in Halloween three. 3, sure, yeah. Yeah, he get. I mean, they stay. They spend a, a little less than a day together. He's just got that, like, uh, and you see, it, uh, Creepshow is making me think of this, but he's just got that, like, over, like, conf, like easy confidence. Yeah. Just the, that's why God made fathers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and a bit of a Chicago accent, even when he's a Northern California seaside town local. Yeah. Right. <laughs> No. Yes, I am weird. Yes, I am. Yeah. He's like the <laughs> the coolest possible version of a dad-aged guy who drinks and drives. Oh, yeah. That's a low-ceiling guy, but like he's a cool version of a guy who's irresponsible. But but he's just sipping on those beers. He is. You know he's what I not mean? chugging. He's not, he's not and out it's, to get anyone. It's Bud. Yeah. yeah. And it, he's driving country roads. Casually breaking he's the He's a casual, uh, casual dad. DUI guy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but outside of, you know, young Jamie Lee Curtis again, I love how I love how Jamie Lee Curtis did several years of horror movies. I appreciate Jamie Lee Curtis so much. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I love it. I love her work in this. Uh we'll talk about more of her later, but she's great. But then I loved he got Janet Lee to come back, you know, into a Hitchcock kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. And I and uh oh I love her in this, you know. She has such a kind of tough role for a horror movie, but it's great seeing her kind of class in the scene because every time you see her, you also get to see my girl, <laughs> Nancy Loomis. Our favorite, personal show favorite, Nancy Loomis. Show legend, Nancy Loomis. I love, Just Na- I adore Nancy Lewis in Halloween. Oh, and yeah. that's a movie that has PJ Souls. <laughs> and Nancy Loomis still stands out as the best. She's perfect. And her in the fog, what I love about her is the way she acts 
in movies like someone who doesn't want to be in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> She's she, got a great kind of uh, Aubrey Plaza bored with everything yeah, vibe. That's great. Right? I never made that connection. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it's a Chelsea Peretti Chelsea thing. Peretti. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Same diff. Yeah. She's just got that great, like, too cool for school. Her line reads, all of her line reads in this movie are like uh, the lead singer of The Waitresses. <laughs> Suckers. It's all just like, uh-huh. Yeah, I right. know. Whatever you say. Like, oh, God. That's perfect. It's like, these are, she, she is so just the bored character. And all. Oh, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's cool. You know, you get, you get cool class acts like Hal Holbrook. Hal Holbrook. Amazing. Ooh, great. You know how much we're a another sh- f- this is a great for me <laughs> a favorite Hal Holbrook. Oh yeah. The, the drunken priest Hal Holbrook role. Yeah. Who totally accepts his fate and <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh the the way that he just is like it's me, I'm the one. <laughs> yeah, I figured this out. I love that. <laughs> He's just accepting it. Yeah. Uh but such a great actor. And uh having a guy in, you know, a three scene role like this, you know how much we love that. Oh yeah. We we're also big show fans of any classic uh highly awarded actor that gives it a hundred percent in genre movies. Sure. That's all you know, that's always the coolest. Well then you got John Houseman in the beginning. Oh sure. With that ghost story. So what yeah, the one story thing. Just a guy who worked with Orson Welles. Somebody could use like that as telling like a ghost story. An intro to a podcast. What if you like had a podcast yeah. about horror movies and you used the John Houseman yeah, yeah. ghost story? You could do that. In the intro. You could do that. But <laughs> who would though? Yeah. Right. Who would dare? Why would you do that? And uh, you know, just a <laughs> cool carpenter feel to a classic horror story. Yeah. This story could have been a 50s movie you know he he uh our beloved could have been the 1850s thing. Movie. yeah jesus i mean I, I i before we get too far i want to talk about edgar Allan poe oh sure the quote at the beginning uh from dream within a dream a personal favorite poem of mine which is all about a surf tormented shore hmm. and dreams and stories and such a great perfect classic quote because this Man. thing definitely feels like it was written it could have been written yeah, 100 man. years ago. What if, what if the lighthouse was this? Oh, yeah. God, I would have flipped, I was, my, flipped my gourd for the I lighthouse tell you, being this. I kind of was hoping the lighthouse was more of this than the lighthouse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, that makes The lighthouse was a little too fear and loathing in Las Vegas for me. Yeah, I know that makes me a real clod, <laughs> but man, I wish the lighthouse was trashier. Yeah. You know, or like just- Spookier. Yeah. I wish it was spookier. spookier. Yeah, spooky and eerier. It's not spooky enough. Yeah. These two guys in the this... lighthouse drinking themselves to death. Because <laughs> this one, man- Leaving Las Vegas. The, the fog gets under my skin. Oh, yeah. The fog scares me. When it's like, it's pirate ghosts. It's pirate Dude. ghosts. Pirate ghosts. Yeah. How cool is that? Leprous. Leprous pirate ghosts. We don't get enough pirates in movies, and we certainly don't get enough pirate ghosts. And no. I blame Disney for that. I think the whole Pirates of the Caribbean thing really blew it messed up blew pirate it for the rest forever. of us. Yeah. But the, the well, idea, that and stuff of... like Cutthroat Island losing all of oh, the money. That, pirates that movie, are doomed. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah. I love it. It's great. I, as a kid, had that VHS, and I've watched Cutthroat Island a dozen times. Yeah, no, it's great. And it is bombastic and explosive and fun mm-hmm. and everything that you love about pirates. But there's also this great haunted Davy Jones locker 
Oh, yeah. Pirate vibe that I love, too. Like, the dark waters, the black sails. Oh, yeah. The when that's gold done doubloons. With, when that's done with a big budget. Oh, I love it. There's a reason that ride was one of my favorites in, uh, oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, as a kid at Disney. But, yeah. No, it rules. It, it rules. It's so good. It's <laughs> so good. The the And the, the idea of a fog uh, being scary. This is the movie where, to me, like, John Carpenter is like, Oh, I can just make like a gas pump handle scary. <laughs> yeah. I can just make a car. Uh, the whole opening sequence where you just see the town kind of get infested with this eeriness where phones are going off and car alarms are going off and chairs the are moving. opening this flick. Oh, my God. It just sets it's this such great, a great mood. It's a 10-minute opening with credits throughout. Yeah. And it just has this way of mentally in your brain delaying all of this chaos that's all firing off weirdly at once just wrecking that you know racking this little town with noises mm-hmm. at, in the middle of the night and uh you're just going through every single credit in the movie spaced <laughs> out like 30 seconds apart and it makes it feel like you're yeah. stuck in this town you're already in this town because you spend a real oh, time man. 10 minutes and i love this in town. the town yeah i love oh yeah Antonio Bay. Yeah, I'd live. I'd live in the Bay, and I would love to live there. It, it's totally that, that. In that moment, that the the opening credits where you've got the shopkeeper sweeping. Yeah, I mean, up. knowing the shopkeeper drinks out of the milk on the shelves. That's not great. That's like small town charm. Not great. What they, they but what yeah. they call that. But it feels just very much <laughs> like it feels very quaint. Yeah, and nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Even feel- though. I it feels adjacent to those Stephen King towns that always sound like real nice places to live outside of the horrific murders. <laughs> like it always makes but me want to. hundred years ago. It's like, right? man, Derry sounds kind of nice. I think there's some nice neighborhoods in Derry. <laughs> but uh, the fog is just the San Antonio, uh, Antonio Bay is just such a perfect little quaint. Everyone knows each other. Yeah. Everyone drinks at the bar, and. It's like there's a, such an easeness to the town. It reminds me of the that when the, the great, spooky thing happens, it's just like, oh, our great horror it. movies that are set out in like the English countryside, mm-hmm. something like Straw Dogs or the you know first half of first third of American Werewolf in mm. London. You know these deep right. village pub. set pub horror. You know the small town going to the pub at night yeah and the town squares like a couple different intersection turns and then all the houses are out in the country has that great feel and you get just that, on the coast you in get our that area with kab the radio Ooh, station yeah. where they're just playing nothing but Dude, instrumental jazz hits from the 1920s what a, all right so <laughs> our big like local station for the for the you know more weed head older people is the crush sure. K rush that's like roots rock Tracy Chapman and like, you know, <laughs> bluegrass and Tom Waits kind of stuff, you know, like Roots Rock, Americana and uh, that kind of stuff. Right. Which is that's a cool, cool local station. We've also got like a jazzy station locally. Yeah, we have the it, elevator and, music. And, and there's KZST with the easy listening. But KAB is like big band swing jazz. Yeah. Just 24-7. It's its own noir movie just in the playlist. And... The idea that a, a woman would move from, what was it, New York or Chicago, yeah. some big city, Adrian Barbeau is this big city radio DJ who decides to move out to Antonio Bay in the middle of nowhere and just do radio for guys out in the ships or the, <laughs> yeah. or the 30, her audience, maybe 30 people who yeah, her might audience, be listening. She knows listeners by name. 
Like she oh, yeah. talks with like people regularly. It's just a local the small weather guy. Town. Yeah, right? the weather flirty thing that her and the weather station guy have, and uh, it's a great Adrian Barbeau character though. You adore her her uh, sign in. Her radio voice. Her radio melts she, me. Radio. Melts she has a me. great voice, and this is her getting to do nothing but Adrian Barbeau voice. But as a guy who understands performance and and. You know, thanks to you, in a lot of ways, I did a radio show at, in college for yeah. two years. Yeah, we were we both, both on did. Yeah, our college radio station. And the way that she goes in and out of radio voice yeah. in this movie is sublime. Yeah, great observation. In such a way, and, and there's moments where she's on the phone panicking and then has to go back to, all right, well, the fog bank is... And she's got the very much like <laughs> Delilah at night, like, this oh, one's God. going out to the lovers. And I, oh, you can't God, deny that. Delilah. That's true. That's true. She yeah. has that like smooth late no, night radio voice. She could literally have done this if oh, she yeah. was not a successful Adrian actress. Adrian Barbeau as yeah. an actress? Yeah. She should have. <laughs> yeah, she could. She's got that perfect smoky raspiness to her voice Yeah, uh, to pull this off. And she could do a in a world. Can you imagine oh. Barbeau doing an in a world? Oh, her whole her whole last uh, look to the skies, uh, you know, sure. speech at the end is very much that. But there is a scene where she is panicked on the phone and then returns to radio voice that does make me laugh. Oh yeah, way too loud every time. And it's something about the <laughs> phrase "ahoy, mateys." Ahoy, mateys. Ahoy, mateys. She's on the phone with her kid. She's like, Tommy. Don't go back to the beach. There's something wrong with the beach. I have to go now. Ahoy, matey. <laughs> you die every time. And it just kills me over. Yeah. Something about ahoy, mateys. <laughs> that's her sign-in. There's like at least me. three ahoy, mateys in this one, but that's the most uh, That's the most gap between panic voice back to cool, composed She's ahoy, She's doing that the whole time. She's kind of your narrator, kind of giving you the overview. Of the fog's coming this way. The fog's coming that way. Because yeah. in the fog are the murderous ghost pirates who were betrayed 100 years ago. Yeah. And I can't tell you how much I love this story. Just the right. story of betrayal and the ghosts coming to get their gold and their revenge. Six must die. Yeah. The idea of the six must die. <laughs> yeah, the, the that's only, what the uh, like the movie could have been called Six Must six Die. Six Must Die is cool. It would have been sick. But you know, well. the fog is good. But the fog too. Just such the a short, concise, like the fog. It's a very atmospheric movie and, and that's perfect for that. Yeah. The idea of stuff just something killer that you can't see lurking in the fog. The fog. I know it's a favorite of both of us, but the Stephen King short story, The Mist. The sure. movie is great. The movie was was so much of a better film adaptation than we we could have got. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some care put into that, but the book is whoa, that's just scary. Very giant scary. lobster claw in there, you know, just stuff being out there, stuff that you've never seen, stuff that's that has been foreign to your world and your thoughts yeah. up until the moment you see it. When we first meet the fog on the night of the hundred year anniversary of the pirates being betrayed. We get a great scene where a ship at sea is experienced is is the first to be attacked. Yeah, and they see the giant pirate ship drifting oh, by in the fog, and there's figures in the background, and it's just such a like this. The characters in this movie have a perfect way of being like, this can't be happening. Oh yeah, and yet it is. Like I think movies have such a fine line to draw between accepting this unreality mm-hmm. and ignoring the unreality, and I think this movie really 
treads that line perfectly. I think every character in the movie behaves easily explainably. Like nobody's making just dumb choices like, hey, I'm going to piss in this fog. You know, like. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Oh, it's got me. The Prometheus guy taking off the helmet in the fog being like, woo. Woo, okay. (laughs) Get out of this thing. No, exactly. People have the right amount of like, what the hell is this? Exactly. Like, and before they finally realize, like, wait a minute, this is weird. It's too late. And then the people that are uh, able to escape from it are immediately taking it seriously. Right. They immediately believe, oh, my God, this thing is killing. This is plausible that it's killing people. Right. Even on the radio, Adrian Barbeau at one point is kind of frantic about get stay out of the fog and this and that. But she's just heard someone get killed over the phone. Yeah. From this well, it's thing. so great you know, that we it's don't. Like all the all the elements add up. This The scares start so early and keep up so consistently because we never we don't have to deal with the person who keeps refusing to believe that there's Mm -hmm. something wrong with the fog everybody actually takes a serious issue once three people die in a town crazy (laughs) people are like maybe we should take this seriously right immediately and save ourselves right well the guys on the boat who get attacked kind of go missing and there's a whole call out for them and it's all very much like what would happen yeah the the kills on the boat are the kind of shocking like that's when up until now we've the scares have been very like you know could have happened in a 50s black and white Mm -hmm. movie you know or can be explained Uh uh-huh like the opening sequence is a lot of like oh that was probably an earthquake that the guy in the shop felt or it's just you know yeah electronics nobody in the town nobody in the town knows that all these things were going off at once. Everybody has their own individual thing that they witnessed. Right. You know, but nobody knows to connect them all together. Right. But when you're on that boat with those guys and you see the fog <laughs> come in and the guys are even like, there's no fog. And then like, oh, there is a fog. Okay. That's, and then you, you're you right there with them, right? Yeah. You're just and you start getting these like, suddenly the movie then gets very Halloween violent. Mm-hmm. You know, so the movie takes you and all of a sudden into this, there's like a face stabbing. There's face stabbing. There's the From guy a, just gets punctured on the deck too. A bunch yeah, of times. and the face stabbing is shot. Just another way that this movie is filled with great nods to just classic horror reactions. This movie has a ton of jump scares, and mm-hmm. I hate the automatic trigger reaction. Jump scares are bad kind of thing because this movie has four jump scares that are all great. All work. There, the idea that jump scares are cheap is so stupid because it's all misdirection. It's right. all anticipation that's fun but this movie plays them as as genuine fun parts of the movie rather than cheap sure get out of the scene by something just jumping into the camera really quick this is all like uh the way he handles cuts like when he stabs that one guy in the face there's a second stab that gets cut off right as it so it's like you get this big whack Mm mm-hmm and then he re- rears back and does an- another one right after. Something way worse about that second one. You know, the first one's already so like, ugh, took that guy out. Just know that these weird leper pirate ghosts are just making sure they're completing the job. Oh, yeah. Unnecessarily get, get goring done. these people. Well, it's such a great combination of spooky shadows and light and smoke and fog. Mm-hmm. And then this intense kind of slasher element. Which I think was a lot of that slasher stuff was added later. Oh, um, they, they interesting. Uh, from what I, I I listened to the commentary that he and Deborah Hill did on the DVD and oh cool, a lot of the more violent stuff was definitely like added in a final kind of 
and he actually talked about not necessarily Halloween, but just the uh, overall like audiences wanting more in that time. You know, I uh, I would have liked the the fog without this the it doesn't stabbing it. kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I gotta say I do love the way it's integrated. Oh yeah, in the finished product, Gives I it think it's it really for me shows what the what we could be seeing. Mm-hmm. Like this could keep happening. Like this this yeah, violence yeah, yeah. could keep you know, and so then it's like kind of puts you on edge so early that this is the level of death you could see, you know, like whew, violent, gory, R rated stuff. And it well, also it's better, hits, it's better because when you later see people disappear into the fog and you just see a figure maybe converge on them, yeah. it gives you it gives your imagination everything you need to understand oh, yeah. that they're getting fucking slashed and, up. <laughs> and converging Shadowy figures already scary yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. Oh, the way he shot all these pirates with the lighting. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they are just these lumpy, ragged, grisly characters that you can not really see. We only get one real look at one of the pirates at the very end of the movie. Right. And up until then, it's just all shapes. You want to know a uh, fun fact because yeah. I did that research. Tommy Wallace is a ghost in most of this. Okay. He also edited the film. Right. Right. Uh, the ghost with the red eyes who does the, the final, Coupe final DeVille's slash. The Coupe Tommy Lee Wallace. Yes, yes. Sure. Coupe DeVille superstar music group uh, member Tommy Lee Wallace and f- later director of Hollywood of 3. Ghost in most of these scenes. Okay. The guy that does the final slash at the end, Rob Bottin. Oh, wow. Yeah. The thing. The thing. Uh, Mr. Special visual effects, effects on the thing. The... And, and he does the worm face shot in this movie where you see the one ghost right. with the slime and the worm. But yeah. yeah. That's what I mean when it's like the early, this is the last of like that early Carpenter where he's just got these young kids like Rob Boutine and yeah. Tommy oh, Lee Wallace sure. just in makeup, you know, <laughs> like the guy that would go on to direct it. The edit. Spiro Rosados to William Lustig you know, is that kind of Boutine to yeah. John Carpenter. 100%. I mean, match made in heaven. The Rob <laughs> Boutine thing effects are just like, right. that elevates that movie to just, it's nothing but a highlight reel. Of yeah. effects and his effect in this movie of the of the worm faced ghost killer at the end and <laughs> so many of those are, are yeah just like you said so many jump scares but perfect jump scares they're good they're scary jump scares yeah. they, this movie feels uh you know rewardingly scary you get the like even fake out jump scare with the real jump scare after it with jamie lee curtis where he the, he does that trick more effectively the all the stuff with the boat from when they're on the investigators are on the boat after the next day mm-hmm. and all the weird, I get really uneasy with just all the, you know, these controls are completely wet, but there's no like, you know, all the stuff that's dry and then, the, right. you know, the deeper down, you're like, how did this happen? That's like, one of my favorite parts when they're in the autopsy room and the guy's like, this guy's been underwater for, a, I, I saw him yeah, for two like, days ago, but I, he looks like he's been underwater for a month or whatever. Yeah. Though. All that just like great detail that you get. Yeah, just what is happening to these people when they get absorbed by pirate mist. But the jump scare when they're on the boat, Tom Atkins and Jamie Lee Curtis, who had a quick Tom Atkins style charm sesh, (laughs) picks up a hitchhiker, woos her within two sentences just by like basically guessing right on Mm -hmm. one key question. Mm -hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis asks if he's weird. It's just like, Yes, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am weird. <laughs> Good. I'm here from Northern California. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. But uh, he woos. <laughs> the next time we see him, they're just in bed. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, he's looking at her art. She's got some art. Sure. That never gets brought up again. In no, that we never. We just <laughs> we learn she's she's got hobbies. She's she's cool. interesting. Well, what's great is that they make sure to like distance this Jamie Lee Curtis character as much from Laurie Strode as possible. Yeah. Like she's this hitchhiking, you know, savvy girl. She's rather, not a she's not a mess teenage. No, she's, she's not see, a mess. She's she's not a, a she seems uh, like somebody adventurous with a decent head on her shoulders. Right. And she just looks like the girl from Durfan, which is great. Oh, yeah. She does have that. Especially in sure. the morgue scene. It cuts to her with that, oh, like, that shag. Morgue. Yeah. But on the boat, Love that scene. man, the double jump scare is great. Yeah. Because the head flopping out, you know, the, the when the cabinet opens and it falls out, you think it's just like a silly jump scare. And then the real jump scare comes two seconds later. It's the best version of that. Mm-hmm. And also because just like that second face stabbing, he cuts it off immediately. Mm-hmm. She starts screaming and he cuts the scene off mid-scream. I, ooh, that, that, that's always like chilling to me. I do like that. A yeah. scream just getting... You, know. you, just, you just get that taste of that Jamie Lee Curtis scream. Yeah. That might be the only time she screams in the movie. Yeah, she's, like pretty, full on she's screaming. pretty cool considering all the, the shit going down considering in Antonio that, Bay. that a body lunges at her in a morgue yeah she even then was like not as much screaming no i'm loving that that morgue scene so good and it's part of the the smartness i love about the movie uh how everybody immediately recognizes that not only is this out of the ordinary this is impossible and it's wrecking their vision of reality Mm -hmm. the morgue guy yeah talking about like we just pulled up a girl that's been down there for two days and so, so I know what this looks like. And exactly. This guy looks like, yeah, he's been in the water for a month. The physical evidence the, is there, right? Yeah. yeah the there, he's immediately just like, I have no idea what's going on, but something is wrong. <laughs> like, as they, they're having this conversation, the body comes out from under. The, that's a scary scene in the movie to me. The body man. comes out from under the sheet, grabs a knife, and is you get the scene of the legs coming down. Yeah. Walk and then it just kind of flops over and none I just love how none of it's really explained like Yeah. To me there's a charm in the ghost story that doesn't add up. Because this is some supernatural shit we're dealing <laughs> yeah. with, right? Like I just love the idea that and and all of them are just like what the f- what is going on here? Yeah, but all of them are Nobody immediately can just put like the look. Together. We've seen one dead guy come back to life. That's all the proof I need. That everything I thought I knew I didn't know, mm-hmm. and I'm taking the rest of this seriously. It's so nice. It's so nice to watch these people behaving like real people. Right. And, uh, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis looking like with her shag haircut, that that quick cut to her as yeah. she sees the guy moving. Oh, man, what a shot. <laughs> what a great way to capture your horror vixen. Just a great sequence. You know? Yeah. Oh. But, man, scariest scene in the movie? Yeah, it's pretty scary. I'm pretty... Uh, I get hit hard by the Mrs. Cobrett scene. What a nice that was, woman. I wanted to, get, to talk about that one next. Yeah, yeah because that's the, the, the night falls, the fog comes back. Yeah. Uh, it takes the weatherman in a kind of a cool scene. And then yeah. you know that it's coming for Adrian Barbeau's kid. Yeah. Who, is, who she has knows. already like, found yeah. the driftwood and she sees, sees it coming. She knows what's happening because she's heard the weatherman get killed on the phone. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's like everything adds up so perfectly. Uh huh. And that scene, yeah, where Mrs. Coberts is so nice. I don't know if lady. you had that. It's the the old lady. We don't get this character represented enough in movies, but it's an important part to some of our lives. The old lady babysitter oh, that you had. Yes. Yeah. We had That was Mrs. Coberts let me watch Terminator 2, Judgment <laughs> Day. 
when I was growing up. That would be just like me spending days with my grandma Uh or weekends if my parents were out of town. Or there was another woman in town, Mrs. Quadra. Mm-hmm. Her husband was a nice Guatemalan man, uh, Armin Quadra, and yeah, she was great. <sighs> Armin Quadra. Armin Quadra. Love that. He was great. Uh, I so, had I had Gene and Ed neighbors at the apartment nice. complex who would watch us. And yeah. Ed had his old. The, they had a two room apartment. The second room was Ed's train setup. Oh like, man, straight he's up a train Bobby Baklava train setup. Yeah, and it was yeah old guy. And he had the uh, he he made sculptures out of soda cans. Yeah. So it was like biplanes made out of old cut-up 7-Up cans and stuff. Classic oh, man. old people, dude. Oh, man. Yeah, and there was, there was one movies. other couple that <laughs> lived out in a rural area. I don't remember their names, but I, st- I know I would be babysat over there. You know, you get used mm-hmm. to these people's houses. And I know um, he was like an auto guy, so he had a shop out back, and he was a smoker. So as this kid, he had these, you know, black nicotine oh, fingers, right. you know, and that smell. And uh, but these were like the sweetest people that watched – five-year-old me so mrs Cobritz was like a perfect one of those ladies you know mm-hmm. a sweet neighbor lady who's just doing you know and who you'll listen to when she tells you to go into your room yeah you yeah. respect her as a kid respect but she Cobritz. also is really nice and sweet mm-hmm. and clearly loves this kid oh it's so good this, it's such an important character in so many of our real lives yeah and to see her get offed by leprous pirate ghosts like tam you're killing off Mrs. Co- I cannot imagine right. Margaret Quadra having to defend herself <laughs> yeah. against pirate ghosts. I cannot imagine how scared this old woman in a in a house dress, you know, would be dead. Like, oh my god. It so that just hits me so hard. That's the scariest for me cuz really, I can feel that woman. Yeah, to, in that position. To jump on that, the actual yeah, the 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 actual scariest part of this movie is the knocking on the doors <sighs> that these ghosts do. Yeah. Because the fog rolls up to your house and they knock on the door and it's very much like almost a vampire like if you let them in. Yeah. But if you don't, they'll walk away or whatever. But no one knows not to let them in. For some reason, <sighs> everyone in this small town is like, oh, someone's knocking on my door at 1230 at night. I better go see who it is. Oh, man. Like, are you fucking... No one grabs a gun or anything. They're just like, hello, hello. If anybody uh, that, that I know... That in the beginning and with Miss Cobra, it's like, why are you opening the door? If anybody that I know pranks me like that by just knocking on my door at 1 a.m. But, but not just like a tap, tap, tap. It's like, boom. boom. Whoa. Boom, boom! It's the scariest knock. I could see a kid doing like, that. Tell me a scarier uh, knock in movie history. Like, it would, what's a scary yeah, like point? Honestly, what's a scarier knock on the door in, in movie history than when the a stranger phone? calls back? Yeah, I was good. Yeah, yeah that's the only one then I they can start compare. Talking through the window. Yeah, that's, that's scary to me. Knowing he's just right on the other side of that door, or not, or behind uh, you, or he's upstairs already with the kids. Yeah. No, well, that, the, and so the that fog—it's like if you don't close the windows, they get in through you know the crack in the door, and just yeah, the how, figures like, outside. Just the figure, like I think I brought this up, like the home invasion idea as a kid was—that's the scariest the scar- thing. Yeah, it's, and this movie really pulls on that because you see the figures outside the door, and you yeah, s- you see them come in. It's oh man, it's yeah, that's up. why stuff like it's messed up <laughs> stuff like you know us. God, the shots oh, of yeah. them standing out in the driveway. Oh, and there, us, that us. This is great. I should watch that again. I feel like that's a good, like, there's something to the fog in that, too. Like, the unjust coming to get their revenge. They're coming out in broad daylight. Holy shit, is us 
a fog remake. I like, think us is a, a fog little remake. bit of my brain is like us in the fog. Pretty much the same plot. Yeah, you wronged me. I'm coming back to get mine. Yeah, these uh, people and, and us again in do it. Do it in way. broad daylight. They don't hide in That's hide true. in mist like these pirate ghosts. We need the mist to live. <laughs> don't look at me. I'm all red eyed. <laughs> but uh, uh, I can't believe we haven't brought it up. But it's indisputable. This is probably we've talked about doing. We just did a top ten Carpenter movies. Mm-hmm. Next one we're going to tackle is top 10 Carpenter scores, which for me will be more difficult than top 10 Carpenter movies. Yeah. How do you even do that? But The Fog is a strong contender for number one. This is a score, man. The others, no matter how awesome they are, sound like a dude on a keyboard. Mm-hmm. No matter how sick they are. Escape from New York clearly is a like, all right, now I've got this key going, and then it's sure. like a guy on a, a one synth. Right. Halloween the, is very much a do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. The Fog is like a score. Mm. This thing you could picture orchestras playing, and even though it's the piano, it has that richness to it, and just, oh, it's so, like, silky and creepy. It feels like, damn, this is this is the one. Well, it's the score that makes the fog scary. Yeah. There's a scene towards the end where the fog is coming to get them, and they're all retreating to the church. And there's just a scene of a guy clearly behind some trees with a smoke machine blowing smoke. But the score is like, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And there's something that he's able to make f- smoke coming at you scary. Oh, sure. Like, how do you how do you accomplish that? No, there's this score is so good and luckily it's gotten a ton of attention in recent years. There's been I know there was a big uh cuz I have it, a huge two disc mm. re-release of not just the Fog score, but all his uh like alternate cues and longer cuts that didn't get used or, you know, cuts of scenes that in the movie were 30 seconds but he made a 2 minute cue for it. Cool. And whew, I bet. It's just hearing like two and a half lengths of a fog score. And it's so good. And so, yeah, it's gotten the vinyl treatment, you know, two two LPs. Like, ah, it's so powerful in this movie. And it is so just, this is an Oscar caliber score for me. And this again, is on, on up there with the Exorcist score. Right. Which right. is, oh, yeah. you know. Well, it's just so atmospheric. Again, it's just, mm-hmm. it's got so much depth to it in a way that even Halloween doesn't really have. Like, again, it's just, it feels like one instrument. Yeah. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah. This one has this whole kind of undercurrent. And, oh, yeah. And, and this it's whole... It's got depth. Just range of sounds coming at you. And it's got the lilting kind of piano that's giving you the creepy, almost sad vibe. Because this is also a story of... It's, it's, a, you know, it's mournful. These yeah. ghosts were men who were betrayed and killed. Yeah. You know, and yeah, the the lore stories are really scary mournful, to me too. Yeah, the uh, the leper colony landing on Antonio Bay and basically uh, seeking refuge and not wanting to bother anybody, just wanting to basically die alone, and then the local townspeople deciding to rob the lepers of their substantial wealth. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, this is I love one of these small town movies that. Clearly paints the townspeople as like, oh man, this is some, these are some gnarly local people. Totally. Like, these people are the bad guys. The pirate ghosts are the good guys. And Hal Holbrook's like, 
We did this to ourselves. <laughs> That's what I love about We're, this movie. Whole we we earned this. So many other movies, and even in like Prince of Darkness or other Carpenter movies, the priest is always the guy trying to hide the information. And then this one, Holbrook's like, well, I found a diary. We're the bad guys. I'm the grandson <laughs> of the lead bad guy, and I am here to accept my fate. Yeah. Like, he is totally on board with this ghost team this is not, from the get-go. This is not the... It's a travesty, he calls it. Yeah. <laughs> it this is the not the guy who keeps uh, I love that. Jebediah Springfield's faults secret. Exactly. Uh, he doesn't hide the, all the, the stuff that shows how much of a coward Jebediah Springfield is. He lets the town have that. Mm-hmm. Hal Horbrook's like... We deserve this pirate ghost death. Let me tell you why. Exactly. <laughs> We've had it good for too long. They deserve their vengeance. I, 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 I mean, I love everything about that because he is this drunken, could could have been just this drunken coward who tries to run away from everything and gets caught up in weeds or something and gets yeah. a bad death. But he gets the most epic moment of the movie where he tries to give the gold back. So... Oh, yeah, that, right. He gets this great it's heroic epic. stance. Yeah, how um, for a man that I love, uh, how much weaker would this movie have been if, say, Donald Pleasance was cast in mm-hmm. a Hal Holbrook role, which is a role you have to assume Donald Pleasance was at least considered for. Right, right. And while I do love what Donald Pleasance can bring to a movie, I think it would have brought the wrong energy to that role. So I think it it's probably could have very easily gone in a couple different ways, but you get these neat casting windfalls that that's why we've said it earlier, a casting director, mm-hmm. Oscar, you know, it would have been easy to get, of course, Donald Pleasance would have done the gig. He obviously liked working with Carpenter and they worked great together, but to get somebody like Hal Holbrook to bring this extra something to a character like the priest. He's got that small town charm to mm-hmm. Hal oh, Mark Twain himself. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, you think about that and I think Pleasance would have just been agitator. It's like Holbrook. Holbrook has this great way of, he has this whole scene where he lays out the whole charter with the, with Janet Lee and, and Loomis and, but it feels so, uh, it just feels so ground. Like a ghost story needs to be grounded. Yes. To work. Yes. So you have to actually believe that this could happen. Right. And I think I believe it with the fog. <laughs> yeah. And it is because of the way that Holbrook tells the story. Of he's, course. He's he's reading it like it's a sky. Like it's all. It reminds me of like Oblivion or Skyrim. Like the, <laughs> like a epic. Well, but, these. But, uh... but it's grounded in this way that I think totally puts me in that town. Hmm. Hmm. And and I'm right there with them that night. As people well, again, are we've all, we've things. spent a lot of time in this town, and since Adrian Barbeau in the big climax is giving directions on how to get away from the fog, you're learning like individual cross streets right. of this town. You're learning the layouts, the I whole thing. That. It's one of ones blocked. <laughs> it's one of Carpenter's greatest strengths. Is we talked about this in Big Trouble in Little China. Have you how you have a place in the huge gangs in New York fight scene mm-hmm. in the thing. The main thing that makes the thing work is you know the layout of this ice station. You know the layout of this camp. You know where things can be hiding. You know who's been where. Mm -hmm. You get a sense of everywhere you can go within this world. And when you know which areas you haven't been to in a while and can't trust, like 
you get a sense you're in this room you're in these hallways and these bunks like carpenter's so good you're in that police station in assault on precinct 13 Mm -hmm. he is so good about putting you in that movie you're in the stairwell like very specific yes exactly and you are in antonio bay for this movie now I guess I'll have to spend more time in Antonio Bay to get quite as into, like, their statue. These people go ape-s for this town statue. Like, they look at this thing like they're in, like, Korea. Yeah. Like, everybody has to look at the statue for 20 individual seconds. Well, the big big centennial celebration that they have with upwards of 30 people attending. Yeah. One set of bleachers. Packed, yeah. packed set of bleachers. Yeah. And Janet yeah, Lee. It was ha- a full set of bleachers. Janet Lee but... has to remind people not to push when they move move from people, the bleachers. There, there's enough statue for everyone Take to see. Take your time. Don't push. Like, who's out there just like, get the fuck out of my yeah. I'm I wa- first. I wanted the guy to just shove his way to the statue. That would have been funny. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been Donald Pleasance. That would have been his cameo. We had this coming. Yeah. <laughs> we earned this. Get out of my way. I'm he'd here be to so, talk to the statue. Oh, God. He'd be so loud. I love the dude, but, <laughs> you know, he's he's he colors so many Carpenter movies, and I'm glad. <laughs> I don't think it would, you know, there's something so genuine about Holbrook giving the gold back. I don't think I don't know if Pleasance would have. I think yeah. Pleasance would have come off more scared than just. Sure. Uh, I know. I word? know the exact thing he would have. It's, uh... it's Holbrook's like genuine desire for retribution. He's like, yeah, sucks that it falls on me to pay the <laughs> price for my grandfather's misgivings and misfailings and treacherous deeds. But that's how this shit works. Yeah. So here's your gold. Yeah, he's standing up for it. No, uh, it's such a there's something to that. The, the movie is really great, and it doesn't take any cheapy shortcuts. Like you said, the grounded story that this fantastical thing is happening, but it's not just... It's trying to connect the dots as much as you can with a supernatural pirate ghost story. Mm-hmm. But everything about it feels so classy and pro, <laughs> and like, this guy knew this movie he was making, you know? It's no... I mean, you look, man, back to back to back with Halloween, The Fog, The Thing... Whew. come on like throw halloween 2 in the middle of that which he didn't direct but was heavily involved in yeah yeah the much uh you know heavily halloween 2 doesn't get enough credit it has some of the best genuine scares uh in that era and phew, i can't believe this well this, this was run. also a back-to-back movie deal with uh whatever company yeah. the fog and escape from new york was the second of jeez those I mean, so yeah, you're talking Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing. There's no wonder this guy This guy is my Hitchcock. He probably is my favorite director. He has 21 movies, and <laughs> I can find joy in all 21 of them. To varying degrees, but there's joy to be having all of them. This guy really makes movies that I enjoy watching. And I think it's it's because, you know, he also works with Dean Kundi and he works with Deborah Hill in these early movies and I mean, she's a big part of these. She co-wrote The Fog. She's yeah. a big part of The Fog success, just oh. like she is with Halloween. Yeah. And to and Larry Franco's like a <laughs> di- assistant director guy on this. Yeah, so many people and are attached. Tommy Wallace is the editor and You designer. can see why you can see how they can easily stretch a million dollars into All something. All this talent. Like, yeah, just legendary. This this movie I love. I can't believe looking back now how Yeah, it's a ghost story. I don't Ghost stories aren't typically my thing. Haunted mm-hmm. house movies are always underwhelming. 
you know, the Conjuring movies don't really do it for me, and so it's like I saw the DVD that I borrowed from you and was like, yeah, it's a ghost story. It was good. It was good. Right. I don't know what had to change in me for the next 10 years, but the next time I saw it, it's like, oh, man, I have been. I've been underwriting the fog for too long. It's great. Well, it's not just a few moments of great right. ghost action. It's the whole thing. It's that it's opening sequence. It's a front-to-back, well-crafted horror flick. It's the use of the location. It's the use of color. I mean, the way that Dean Kundi gets the smoke and the lighting to mm-hmm. look in this movie, the fog. Yeah. The way that they get they the way that they get this gold cross to glow at the end <laughs> and the red I, eyes. You know what? The red eyes scare me. This is, this is a nitpick. This is a nitpick, but it bugs me every time, especially when I saw it the couple times I've seen it in the theater. Could they have gotten a less like fingerprinty gold pr- cross? <laughs> Blu-ray, I love it, but man, I wish you I didn't see, the... see such a smudgy cross. Oh, that, is that right? I mean, sure, it's been in a wall, but like, give me some shine, baby. It's so smudged up, and he's just holding this glimmering but smudgy. That's true. It makes me think, like, God, like I'm watching it with crummy glasses. I need to wipe a film off, you know? Oh, (laughs) Blu-ray. The blessing and the curse. But uh, That's a fucking nitpick, I'll tell you. You (laughs) You, know what? You're not wrong. Man who jumped over the the Coupe de Ville's. Uh, But... I'm allowed. The fog is. You're allowed. The You're fog allowed. is great. The fog is a classic horror movie, as scary as Halloween for me. There's a reason we both had this in our top five. Mm-hmm. If you're in a top five Carpenter movie, that means you're in for me a top five horror movie, a top five movie of that year against any genre movie. Like, if you're a top five Carpenter movie for me, you're guaranteed at the top of whatever year that movie came out. <sighs> guy's my fave. And we got like it. 17 or 18 more Carpenter movies to go Absolutely. on Carpenter Can't cast. Wait. I'm into it. I'm into it. But the fuck, man, it's just like. <laughs> I, I think I can see your gears working. You're thinking of moving this up from four, aren't you? Well, I think I just. Well, here's what I'm going to say. I respect so much that it's not a Halloween redux. I, yeah. I respect so Especially much. since they came back to back. I respect so much that this guy comes out of college and his like third feature film is this monumental genre changing hit. Yeah. And he goes, I want to do something totally different from that yeah. for my next movie. Now ghosts. And does it. And I'm a huge fan of Edgar Allan Poe and and classic horror and classic ghost stories. Yeah. I really do think that Turn of the Screw and stuff like that is sure. just great. It's uh, like haunted Vin- houses do it more for me than for you, I guess, but the the classic classic ghost story without how much there's jump scares right yeah in this movie but it's not those like jump scares from the 2000s where it's just some cgi manifestation that pops up out of nowhere yeah like feels a little more tangible they're earned Mm -hmm. yeah well this is like you know i always rail against the the jump scare haters that's when you know the internet is is a bad idea in a lot of ways, and this is kind of <laughs> this kind of opinion making that Reddit starts, You're right? That you know just kind of harvests this groupthink, and it ends up shaping an opinion for the next twenty years. I've seen it in wrestling, mm-hmm. where one guy who happened to be around at the beginning of the internet and had a lot of stuff written, so a lot of people saw it, and uh, that shaped an opinion. And then you can revisit that opinion twenty years and be like, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> and jump scares, there's a lot of cheap ones. But there's a lot of cheap 
shitty horror movies too. That doesn't mean horror movies are bad. Just because there's cheap jump scares doesn't mean it's not a scare tactic that can be used super effectively. Mm -hmm. And the fog is filled with them. I was scared all the way through the fog. And the jump scares are some of the best parts. They are not a four-letter word that people pretend they are. Right. They deserve some respect because there's a level of director that can get actual quality film out of jump scares. Exorcist has jump scares. Mm -hmm. The great horror movies have jump scares. They're scary. They can be used for evil. <laughs> they scare people. They scare people. Jump scares scare the people. Fog scares people. <laughs> no, this is a scary movie, and I love it. It and... somehow gets scarier the more I see it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that shouldn't happen, but that happens with the best of them, like Black Christmas. I get scarier, scarier and scarier for me the more I see it. Because I feel like it grounds itself, and it feels... Tangible. It feels yeah. real in a way we that should, we should go out to the lighthouse. We'll do a live broadcast oh, from I wish I from could. KAB at the foot of the stairs. They won't let us in the building. At the top of the world. Ahoy, mateys. Ahoy, mateys. Well, I think it's come to it's this. It's come to this, man. Dude, the fog is just such a classic. We'll probably do a part two because I we're gonna we're gonna double we didn't down even on the talk, rest of the stuff. We didn't even talk about what a stomach pounder and a coke is. That's the one <laughs> thing that I was like, I don't even know how to bring this up. This movie's inventing its own lingo like it's a, you know, like it's Juno like it's or something. Rocks, uh, like it's clueless. Urban legend. Yeah, exactly. Stomach pounder and a Coke. What does that mean? I don't know. That's the name of our new podcast, I think. Is that like, <laughs> is that like a beer and a shot? Is that like a cool name? Know. Like, I don't know what it, the movie, you can't just introduce slang and then give us no explanation. Somebody just drops a stomach pounder and a Coke line, and then everybody's looking around like, no, I know what it is. Yeah, no, you can't, but let's never speak of it again. Yeah, yeah. is this like a local town thing? Like, oh, you go down to Salty's for the stomach pounder and a beer. That's what I like, assumed, right? Yeah, who knows? Oh, man. Just one yeah. of the many mysteries. They really just drop that little stomach pounder and a beer <laughs> breadcrumb and then just wander off in a different direction. They give you every detail about how Blake got betrayed on the ship a hundred years ago. Yeah. But God knows what a fucking stomach pounder and a Coke is. Oh, <laughs> uh, you go out to Antonio Bay, you'll get a stomach pounder and a Coke. That's what you get when you have to walk up 180 stairs in the middle of the night. Exactly. <laughs> but, oh, go see The Fog. Go see The Fog. Horror classic. Uh, unbelievable. But yeah, came to this. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. Come back. We'll, we'll have so many more Carpenter movies. This uh, is our comfort zone right now. This is just keeping me keeping me into things, right? Oh, so we'll we'll come back with our memoirs of Invisible Man cast. You don't want to miss it. We're <laughs> going an hour. We're going an hour. Came to this. Why not? Thank you guys for listening. Good night.